Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Today we conclude our resurrection series. In today's sermon, Lead Pastor Johnson speaks about the resurrection of expectation. In this final sermon, Pastor reminds us that we should live our lives with an expectation of God's blessings. And now, Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. out a series today on resurrection. Resurrected grace was the first week. Everybody remember the grace message. Grace. We need grace. Then the second week we talked about living the fourth day. The fourth day is every day after the third day. You got to learn to live the fourth day. Last week we talked about resurrection of witness and we talked about Andrew winning his brother, winning a 12 year old boy to the Lord and bringing some lost people that were seeking God, the Greeks, to the Lord at the triumphant entry. And so we talked about restoring our witness. Now today We're going to talk about the resurrection of expectation. We're going to talk about expectation today. Amen. Expectation. Would you stand to your feet? You're awesome people. I'm going to read a little text today, and you can also follow along on your phone if you have that app. All right. Mark chapter 8. In those days, the disciples being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus calls his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their own houses, they'll faint on the way, for some of them have come from far. His disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? He asked them, How many loaves do you have? And they said, Seven. So he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and gave thanks, broke them and gave them to his disciples and set before them. And they set them before the multitude. They also had a few small fish, and having blessed them, He said to set them also before them. So they ate and were filled, and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments. Everybody say, seven large baskets. I don't know if there's this tall or this tall, but there's big. Now those who had eaten were about 4,000, and he sent them away and immediately got in the boat with his disciples. Now, this is is a story. This is not the story of the feeding of the five. It's the feeding of the 4,000. It's a different story. It's a second story in the Bible about feeding the multitudes, the second story, not the first one. So I want to I teach today, I want to preach today on, on, on resurrection of expectation. Now, I, I'm going to use some, I'm going to use some prompts today, okay? So don't think I'm losing my mind, all right? I'm going to use some props today. And uh, we're going we're to preach a little bit. Get excited about Jesus. You may be seated. God bless your awesome people. I read a true story of a family that was sitting down for an evening meal one day and one of the girls wasn't happy because they were having leftovers. She complained about it. The dad wasn't happy. He spent a few moments explaining the spirit of thankfulness and that we need to be more thankful for what we had and what she had particularly. In order to make sure she understood the point, he he decided that she should say grace. She should be the one to say grace, that her prayer should show appreciation for what she had. And so she bowed her head and then prayed, Thank you, Lord, for this food again (laughs) a minister's wife who was was a wonder at conserving food she barely threw any of it away at one meal she gave her husband nothing but leftovers and he was obviously not enthusiastic about it he began to pick at the food a little ate just a little but he had not said grace yet and his wife smiled sweetly at him and gently said dear you forgot the blessing and he looked over at her and he said sweetheart If you can show me one item on this table that hadn't been blessed at least two times, 
I really can't see any reason why prayer needs to be made again. <laughs> leftovers. Everybody say leftovers. leftovers. Mark 8 starts with a story about leftovers. It really does. The feeding of the 4,000 was a leftover message that the Lord had given, was given to his, his boys. In the 8th verse, it tells the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, ordinarily, folks, leftovers are food that has been left over and you prepare it the second and the third and the fourth and then you smell it on the fifth time. And if it's not rancid, you go ahead and try it again. What Jesus did in our story this morning was a leftover. He did a leftover. Understand, Jesus had done this food thing before. If you go back a couple of chapters to Mark 6, just two chapters prior. Now, I don't know if this was a week earlier, three months. He just had three and a half years to do over 150 miracles. I don't know. I don't know exactly how far he had to go back. But just a few chapters before, two chapters before, he had done this food thing again to a different crowd. In Mark 6, just look at the screen. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion. Because they were sheep without a shepherd, he began teaching them. By this time it was late in the day and the disciples came to him and it was a remote place and they said it's already late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take eight months of man's wages, Lord. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? Now John talks about this and talks about Andrew finding the lad, but Mark didn't talk about the lad. But he talked about the same amount. He said, we have five and two fishes. Now, one of the things that I find interesting about this story, the story in Mark 8, is that the disciples hadn't learned from the first time that Jesus performed this miracle. That he can take five and two fish and feed 5,000 men plus women and children. But now here in Mark 8, they're still saying, hmm, that's a lot of money, Lord. What are we going to do here? How are we going to take? He said, what do you have? They said, we have seven loaves. I really think that those seven loaves were remainders of some of the 12 basketfuls that were taken from Mark chapter 6. It's an almost identical conversation. Jesus says, if I send the crowd home hungry, they'll collapse on the way because some of them have a long distance. And the disciples answered, but where in this remote place can anyone have enough bread to feed them? How many loaves do you have? They said, seven. He said, okay, let's do it the second time. Now, if I'd have been there that day, if I'd have been there, I said, hey, Jesus, I got a novel idea. <laughs> Why don't you do that food thing again? Why don't you do that food thing again, Jesus? We got seven loaves here. Why don't you just... <laughs> and he had to say, Rex, take the place of Simon Peter. I'm going to let you be the preacher at Pentecost. I said, yeah, get out of here, Simon. But I wasn't there. But I'm here. It was a kind of a spiritual leftover thing that he did in Mark 8. But wait, there's more. And here's the part that it gets real sticky. Jesus feeds 5,000 in Mark 6. He feeds 4,000 in Mark 8. Just a few verses after that, he gets on a boat, goes over and fusses at some Pharisees, and he gets back on the boat. And he's in the boat with 12, and the disciples had forgotten, watch this now, to bring bread. And the Bible said except for one loaf. Everybody say one loaf. They had in the boat. And Jesus said, be careful. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and that of Herod because he had just had an argument with those, with those Pharisees about the leaven of the Pharisees. 
And they discussed with one another, said, it's because we have no bread. Now watch this. They had a loaf. They had one loaf. And they said, he's fussing at us about the leaven because we don't have any bread. Okay, so I brought me a loaf of bread today. I'm going to tuck it like Emmett used to tuck a football. They had a loaf of bread. Now, you got to get Jesus here now. He, aware of this discussion, he said, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do your eyes fail to see? Do your ears fail to hear? And you don't remember? He said, when I broke five loaves for 5,000, it's in your Bible, Mark 8. How many basketfuls and pieces did you pick up? They said, 12, Lord. And when I broke seven loaves for 4,000, how many basketfuls and pieces did you pick up? And they said, seven, Lord. And he said, you still don't understand? Because they were saying, we have no bread. Because they was counting one loaf as none. My question is to the disciples, how many loaves do you have to have before you think the Lord can take your bread and multiply it enough to feed 13? I'm going to hold on to it. Here's the point. They had seen Jesus feed 5,000 with five loaves and have 12 baskets. They had seen him feed 4,000 with seven loaves and have seven baskets. Now here they sit with one loaf and they wondered if, they're going to be, if it's going to be enough to go around. Oh my God. Mm. The first point I want to preach to you today is simply this. They didn't understand that Jesus could supply their needs. Somewhere in your life, your brain has got to start comprehending that if Jesus can do it for somebody else, he can do it for me. If Jesus can do it in the Bible days, he can do it now. If he can bless anybody, he can bless a somebody. If he can touch somebody with healing, he can touch me with healing. If he can touch somebody with salvation, he can touch me with salvation. If he can heal somebody's family, he can heal my family. Paul said, my God will supply all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Everybody said, Paul said, my God. He said, your need. My God, your need. Not your God and your need. Not my God and my need, but my God and your need. Some people are God-oriented. Some are need-conscious. But I want to talk about this loaf of bread here now. Because there's a lot of people that are carrying more than you think you're carrying. You, you're lethal. And hell knows you're lethal. So hell tries to take away what you're carrying. See, you're packing today. Oh, hallelujah. You got some bread on board. You don't think you have any, but you got some bread on board. You know why? Because he's the bread that came down from heaven. And when you're filled with him, you're full of the bread of life. Come on, you got some bread on board today. Help me now. You got some bread on board today. But somehow we're like the disciples. We think what we have is not enough for God to supply what we need in our life. 
we don't have enough in our life. That is a lie from hell. Jesus, I think, just kind of got this idea when he was talking to these boys in that boat. He said, I need to take you boys on a trip because there, there's a place I need to take you that you need to see what true faith is and what true expectation is because he said, we're going we're to take a little trip. We get out of this boat one day. We're going to take a little trip over to a place called Tyre and Sidon. And I'll never go back there again, but I've got to teach some people a lesson. I really do. I've got to teach a lesson because there's going to be somebody come to meet me on the other side of this border that's going to have a daughter vexed with the devil. And she's going to come and she's a Gentile. She's not even in the Jewish family. And she's going to come and she's going to ask for healing. And I'm going to tell her it's not meat to give the children's bed to dogs. And you boys, he already knew in his mind, you boys are going to want to run her out of town because she don't fit the criteria of what I deal with. But she's going to say, Lord, I know the, the master eat, eats the bread, but you do give the crumbs to the dogs. You do feed the dogs a little bit of crumbs every now and then. And Lord, I'm just here. I don't have to have the whole loaf. I don't have to have all but uh, all uh, one piece. If you'll just give me a few crumbs. He said, woman, God have mercy. He said, woman, listen to me. Thy faith has made your daughter whole. Hey, boys, what do you think about that? Here's what I want to preach today. There's so many people sitting in the sound of my voice that carry with them a loaf of bread. But what they don't understand is this. When they go through crucibles of life, when they go through crisis of life, you get that, you get that bread burned a little bit. So we got some burnt bread here today, okay? I got some toast. You want some toast? Catch some toast there, baby. They serve it better than that at gyms. You understand that? Oh, here's one that's kind of brown, kind of good. All right. But it's still, it's toast. Here's one that's been through a little fire but didn't get burnt too bad. Amen. Here's another one that's kind of crisp. All right. And here's an old heel. Who wants a heel? Amen. All right. Looky here. Oh, this one got scorched. This one got scorched. And we think, here's what we believe. Here's what, oh, I'm going to preach right now. Here's what we think. Oh, I've got a loaf of bread, but every one of them's burnt. Cause I've, I've been through the fire. I've been through the furnace. I've been through hell. It doesn't matter what you've been through. If you're holding on to a loaf of bread, if you're holding on to anything from God, you get excited because there's something about the resurrection of expectation in your life. You know, you know what some problems are, some people's problems are? You know why they have cooked bread, burnt bread? I'm going to tell you why. Sit down, Brother Royce, I'm going to preach to you. Here, you can have that burnt bread, brother. Hold on to that burnt piece. Here's what I'm going to tell you today. I'm going to tell you today. Whoo, look at that one. Oh, my God. Here's what I'm going to tell you. See, the problem is that during the week when you collect the bread on Sunday by the word of the Lord and collect the bread by the Spirit of God, time you get here next Sunday, you've gone through some fires. And the devil's tried to burn your bread. But the problem has never been with God. It's been with people. I know people sitting in the sound of my voice right now has been burnt by preachers from the past because preachers can be mean as a junkyard dog if they're not saved. And so you say, you know, pastor, I got a loaf. 
but I'm burnt. I'm just burnt. I'm burnt out. You're not burnt out from God. You're burnt out from man. You're not burnt out from God. You're burnt out from a church somewhere that had people that wasn't Christian. But it does not matter what man has said to you and man has done to you. There's a God that I'm preaching about that has not done that to you. Every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of light in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. Come on, folks. You got something in your hands here. You got a loaf in your hands. It don't matter if it's burning or not. Well, Pastor, you know, I got kids. They're toast. My kids are toast. My wife is not much better. Oh, that one's mine right there. You know what mama used to do? When she'd burn it, getting us kids ready for school, you know what mama used to do? She'd go. Because some people are not going to let hell burn them out. Not going to let hell destroy them. They're coming back to church with a loaf of bread expecting to receive from God again. Wow. I told you I was going to preach a little. A young lady in the church was pregnant with her first child, but there was a problem. The baby was wrong side. It was upside down in her womb. There was a chance she'd lose a child. The doctor told her she probably wouldn't have it. She went to a prayer meeting at church, and the women there prayed for her, and while they were praying, the baby turned right side up. That's not new. That's leftovers. John Baptist did that in his mama's womb when Elizabeth heard about the birth of Jesus Christ. He got to jumping up and down. He probably turned some somersaults because God knows how to serve us. Leftovers. You listen to me. I had a conversation recently with a man from another church, another place. He goes to another city church. He'd gone to Bible college. He loved to sing. He loved to lead singing, but he had hit hard times and his wife had left him and Christians had mistreated him and hurt him. He was burnt toast. Life had gotten so rough, he openly challenged the idea that God would help him or anyone else, and he openly doubted that God could supply his needs. And he lives by this slogan, no good deed ever goes unpunished. That's what he lives by. And at one time or another, this kind of doubt many times troubles us. But I'm here to tell you, say it with me, my God shall supply all our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you expecting it? Are you expecting it? Do you know, let me tell you something about this bread before I go on to the second point. Do you know in the Old Testament, the priest put bread in the tabernacle once a week? Did you know that? Just once a week? They did it on the Sabbath. And if you read real close in that Old Testament, you're going to discover something. Here's what you're going to discover. That when they came to replace the old bread with the new bread, the old bread was still warm seven days later. Because God's bread. Don't say you're just toast. Because if you hold up a burnt piece of toast to him today, 
Say, I'm going to give you this. Can you make something out of it? He'll, turn, he'll touch your life like you can't imagine because he will supply your need. The second thing we've got to do simply, we're used to doing things ourselves, and it's all right to do that. Everybody say, that's okay. We live in a society. We really do. We live in a society where we feel like that, you know, if I can do it, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to give the impossible stuff to God. And that's a great point to have. But some of us have run into impossibilities that we haven't given to God. And that's what weighs us down. We try to be God and we're not God. Everybody say there's two things pastors learned. There is a God and I'm not him. Amen. There's sometimes we run into bumps that we can't get over. Old Jimmy Stewart in the movie Shenandoah was a self-reliant father of the family. I love this old movie. And at mealtime, his prayer early in the movie was simply this, Lord, we cleared this land. Lord, we plowed it. We sowed it. We harvested it. We've cooked it. It wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't be eating it if it, we hadn't done it all of ourselves. We've worked dog-boned hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. But toward the end of the movie, Stuart had got a touch from God, and he started praying a little bit different. But here's what I want to tell you, and I'm going to preach to you right now. I'm going to preach about personal responsibilities, all right? We have to get up every morning and go to work. Oh, don't, don't, don't sit there with me now and not say amen to that. You've got to get up in the morning and go to work. Number two, you've got to pay your bills. Number three, you've got to make repairs on the house. If there's a leaking roof, you can't say, God, shut that hole up in that roof. Can't do that. Won't work. We've got to put gas in our cars. Amen? We've got to do this. We have to do that. And God doesn't do stuff for us. You do it. It's called being responsible. We've got to have responsibility. But then something happens in our lives that we can't do. Something happens that we can't control and we can't overcome. What do we do then? That's when we say, Lord, it's in your hands. Let me tell you what I do. When something happens to me like that, and I've had some of those things happen to me, I'm going to make confession today. Anybody want to see me confess? I'm going to confess. I get upset. When something happens that's out of my control, I kind of get upset. Sometimes I get frustrated. The other day I was playing golf, and I hit a bad shot, and I said, Come on, preacher. You're better than that. And the Lord said, Not at golf, you're not. And I said, Okay, Lord, I'll just take that old slice, and I'll go forward. And sometimes, a time or two, I've run into a little panic. Is that all right for a preacher to say that? I may look cool as a duck, but I'm paddling like a wild thing underneath the water. But I know that that doesn't give you spiritual answers to that, but it's the truth, and it's my fault. And if it's my fault that things are going wrong, I get bothered with me more than anything because I, I don't like me to be the cause. I want to be the solution, not the cause. But here's what I do. I, first I go to praying, okay? I flat out tell God I can't do this. I don't know how to fix this. I don't have any more resources to overcome this obstacle in my life. So God, I need you to do what I can't do. Everybody say amen to that. And then the second thing I do is I get a, I get a bowl of bluebell. Hang on, I'm preaching. Listeria and all. <laughs> Hallelujah, it's never bothered this. And I'm praying right now that Bluebell doesn't go out of business because Bluebell helps me in my frustration. 
and I go lay down on the couch and I kick my shoes off and I eat a little bluebell with some Hershey chocolate syrup on it. And I say, God, this is how much I trust you. I've been burnt. Something bad's going on, but I got a piece of bread for you, Lord. I'm holding it up. It's kind of like that little old girl that went to bed one night and it was thundering and lightning outside and she told her mama, she said, Mama, I'm afraid. And mama said, Oh, honey, it's going to be all right. She said, Mom, I got a question. Does God ever sleep? She said, No, honey, God don't ever sleep. She said, Well, great. One of us needs to stay awake because the other needs a lot of sleep and I need to go to bed right now. It's good somebody stays awake and turned over, went to sleep, and everything was all right. Here's what I want you to understand. You do what you can do. And when you've done all you can do, there's a God that has given you bread from the past. The God that delivered you out of the miry clay has given you bread from the past. The God that healed your family a long time ago has given you bread from the past. The God that has touched your life and healed your body, he's given you bread from the past. The God that has been with you on those dark and lonely nights, he's given you bread from the past. And it doesn't matter if you're burnt, if you're burnt out, hold up what you have and give it to God and he will supply your needs. Hallelujah. It's kind of like that man that came out of church one day and he saw a little flower lady, an old wrinkled flower lady at the bottom of the steps of the church. She had some boutonnieres and corsages on a spread open newspaper. She was smiling, old and happy. Then on impulse, this man, because of her joy, turned around and picked out a flower and put it on his lapel and paid her for it. He said, you look happy this morning, ma'am. She said, why not? Everything's good. She was dressed so shabbily and seemed very old that her first reply startled him. You've been sitting here for many years, he said, and always smiling. You wear your troubles well. She said, you can't reach my age and not have troubles. She said, it's like Jesus on Good Friday, though. She paused. He said, yes. He prompted her. She said, well, Jesus was crucified on Good Friday. That was the worst day of the whole world. And when I get troubles, I remember that. And then I think what happened only three days later. I know I'm still preaching Easter, but I'm preaching about resurrection. So Easter was our Lord's arising. So when I get troubles, I've learned to wait three days. Somehow everything gets all right again. So I'm going to take my bread that I've picked up from past miracles. I'm going to tuck it in my bucket. I'm going to hold on to it. Because one day I might need that miracle. And he'll say, what do you have? I'm going to close with this. The third thing we have to do, not only know that God will supply our needs, and not only doing what we know we can do ourselves, but we have to learn to wait on God. That's tough for Americans. We like two lines at Chick-fil-A because one's not enough. I went to a Chick-fil-A the other night with our guest. Went to a Chick-fil-A and had one line, and I was frustrated. I said, the one over by the church has two lines. We should have went to that one. We Americans have a hard time waiting on anything. Am I telling the truth? But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Anybody want some bread? I'm going to chunk some out there at you. 
<laughs> you want a burnt piece? There you are. There you are. Here's a, here's a toasty one. All right. We got some of the poorest catchers in this church I have ever seen in my life. Can you catch that, son? My Lord. All right, here's one that when the devil comes at you, say, I'm going to scratch this off and I'm going to hold it up and God's going to be with me. I'll catch it myself. There you go. There you go, buddy. Come on, there you go. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Over and over the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Psalms 27 says, wait for the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. But I love this one. How am I supposed to wait? Psalms 5 and 3. I lay my request before you and I wait in expectation. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm here to tell you right now, God's going to jump on somebody and heal you right now in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost to tell you God's going to jump on something in your family and your family's going to be brought together for the first time in 10 years today. I'm telling you right now, God is fixing to jump on some people and give you some bread that you need in your life because you're carrying something that you don't know what you have. And he says, if you'll just hold it up to me, if you'll give it back to me, I'll bless you like you can't imagine and I'll give you baskets to take home with you. What God will do. See, I know, I know that God has acted in the past. He's, he'll act in the future, so I'm confident he'll act in my personal life now. God shows us by his leftovers. He's acted. I look at his healings, his miracles, his wonderful signs. He'll do that for us. So the 12 disciples said, don't you remember five loaves for five? Don't you remember seven loaves for 4,000? He said, do you still not understand? I've ministered for years, folks, and I closed today. I've ministered for a long time, 45 years. And I've been blessed with a whole list of leftovers. I really have. I was healed when I was just a week old, double pneumonia. They couldn't even, they couldn't even treat me. They just put me in a breathing apparatus back in 1950, put me in a breathing apparatus. Now I told you my age. I'll tell you my birthday if you want it. Oh, you do? I'm teasing. But I could go on and on and on. Double pneumonia. I remember when I came to this church in 1990, I was stricken with double pneumonia for the first time since my birth. And it was nothing but a spiritual warfare. And a man and a woman came by my house that afternoon because I had to miss church that morning because I made a pact with God a long time ago. If I'm going to get sick, let me get sick on Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, not Sunday and Wednesday because I want to preach this gospel. But I got sick on a Sunday, and I couldn't come to church because I couldn't get out of bed. They came by that afternoon, and the woman and the man laid hands on my head and said, God, this is nothing but a trick of Satan to try to destroy the ministry that you're going to give him in Austin, Texas. Be healed in Jesus' name, Pastor. I quit coughing. The slight fever broke. My breath was good. And Sunday night, I proclaimed the gospel right here at this church. Never been sick with double pneumonia again. See, but I'm never, I'm never the star of my leftovers. God's always the hero. God's always the hero. Because I can, I can get along. I can get along for myself. But I need God to help me in those areas that I can't do myself.
And God has been there for me. He's blessed me. I got a boatload of leftovers. Some here may say, I don't have those personal leftovers that you own, but maybe, maybe you need to see this that I'm fixing to show you. Romans 15 and 4 says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. Watch this now. Let me give you some snack food today, okay? Here's some snack food. Just read about Joseph being sold into slavery and put in prison. That was written for you. Read about David facing off with the giant that he had no business fighting. That was written for you. Read about Esther in the Bible facing possible death to save her people. That was written for you. Read about Daniel being thrown in a lion's den and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown in a fiery furnace. That was written for you. That's not bedtime stories. That's stories that will put bread in your basket and put bread in your boat so that when you think you have none, you really have a whole lot of bread in your life. You have a whole lot of bread in your life. Don't ever say you don't have bread in your life. I love the story of the four lepers. I'm closing. You folks will pull preach out of me today. I love the story of the four lepers. They were awesome. In the book of Kings, they were awesome. You know, when you get bent down at my age, you got to see if there's anything else you can do down there while you're bent down. <laughs> no, I don't need to tie my shoe. I don't need to pull my sock up, you know. That's why I love you. You get my jokes. Okay, they're sitting, they're sitting outside of a city called Samaria that's got a famine. And they, they, they look at one another and they said, why sit here till we die? You know, if you're just going to come to church and sit, you might die in church. It's not a good thing. But one of them said, hey, let's do something. Let's get up and let's go show ourselves to the enemy because we might be taken in and they might bless us. We might get a morsel of food. And they might kill us. But it's better trying something than just sitting here and dying. So they get up. They get up. Just old lepers. And they're on their way. They're on their way to the, to the house of the, the campment of the enemy. Boy, I'm doing good at that pitching bread. We ought to have a new contest called bread pitching. Wow, be like washers. <laughs> They're on their way. And I guarantee you they stepped on a piece of bread or two. Because you know the army was eating on their way after bringing food home with them. And they're stepping on that bread and, and they kept marching. They kept walking toward the enemy's camp. And all of a sudden they get to the camp and nobody's there. Because God did what they couldn't do. God let them pack that day and they didn't even know they were packing. God let their noise, the noise of their feet on the ground be magnified and the enemy thought it was a mighty army with chariots and everything coming. See, if you just get up and try, if you just have an expectation in your heart, there's nothing that God can't do for you in your life. 
You can have that job. You can have that family. You can have that marriage. You can have that healing. You can have that blessing. You can have that business. You can have the things that God wants for you. But you got to get up and you got to start walking. You got to do some things yourself. And when you do, get ready. You're going to have 12 basketfuls, 7 basketfuls. You're going to be blessed so abundantly. You've got to resurrect your expectation in your life today. Come on, folks. What do you believe in God for? What do you believe in God for today? You believe that God can do anything for you? Not your wants, your needs. Do you believe God can provide? You believe he can provide? He's a provider. Stand to your feet all over the house and clap your hands real big because God's big. Clap your hands real big because God's big. God is big. God is big. Come on. God is big. Come on. God is big. God is big. Come on. Clap your hands real big because God's big. He deserves a massive applause today because he's big. Come on. Get with it in your spirit. God is so big. I got to give him big praise today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I close today with this. There's coming a day and I owe you folks some time. I took you too late last week. But there's coming a day when there won't be any leftovers. <laughs> Every now and then I just like to go to Chick-fil-A and get a number one, the whole meal. I love to go to Taco Buena, Taco Bell, Taco Cabana. Trace Amigas. Can you see a can you see a, a, a trend here? Just eat something fresh. And one day we're if we keep our expectations where they are, we're gonna have a a brand new day of a brand new morning of a meal that we've never had before in our life. It's called the marriage supper. But I must keep my expectations high for Jesus. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want our prayer partners to get in that aisle right there. One here, one down the table. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.